it is just a God timing that we are coming alongside the Tapman family uh, for our Be Rich campaign. If this is your first time visiting here at Crossbridge, this is a perfect time for you to jump right in and join us. My name is Jordan. I'm our online pastor and one of our teaching pastors here at Crossbridge Community Church. And this is something that we've been trying to be better at of just generosity as a church. And also, we've been asking the question for years, what does missions work look like for us? And so uh, many of you know, Scotty and Teresa Hepler have uh, gone multiple and multiple times to Belize and partnered with uh, Praying Pelicans in the same church and the work that they're doing in Belize. Uh, and, and they are now committing and trying to go every other year and taking a team of Crossbridgers and people outside of Crossbridge to, that organization there to help continue to do work and missions work there. Uh, and then locally, we are trying to be more uh, local-minded by partnering with organizations that are already doing incredible work here in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And so we don't need to go out and launch any initiatives. Rather, how can we come alongside local organizations, raise a ton of money, raise a ton of materials, and maybe even volunteer and give it all away to these organizations? And that's where Be Rich was launched. And then the third part of this initiative to be more missions-minded uh, has come from partnering more internationally with people who are uh, home-based internationally with the Tatmans. And so uh, we are going to be uh, continuing to sponsor them uh, through our general budget, and you'll be able to see that in our business meeting uh, the first Wednesday, uh, December 6th. December 6th? Brad said, sure. Uh, yeah, so our business meeting, 5.30 is our soup dinner, and then 6 o'clock, December 6th, and you can hear all about the work that they're doing and that we are doing to try to be more missions-minded as a church, but really just to be more church-minded, global church-minded, to partner with. And so if you aren't familiar with our Be Rich series, we kicked it off last year, and we raised over $40,000, 300 items that we collected, and we gave 100% of it away to the Shepherd's House here in Fort Wayne. An incredible organization that walks alongside veterans who have uh, returned home and have struggled with addiction, homelessness, loneliness, mental illness, and just to simply help them get back on their feet and become self-sustainable. And so we partnered with them last year. This year, if you've been here the first two weeks of Be Rich, we are partnering with Juvenile Justice Ministries, uh, which is a branch of Youth for Christ, and they go into ACJC and help walk alongside teenagers who have uh, either made bad decisions or found themselves in the wrong place at the wrong time. And so they build relationships. They go with counseling. They go into um, uh, just helping them navigate the deep and difficult conversations so that they don't become repeat offenders. And then even after they are released from ACJC, I believe that they said the average stay is anywhere from two to six weeks. Then they oversee a ton of people who are on probation to, again, walk alongside these teenagers. And they provide uh, finances for counseling. They provide bus passes for individuals who need to get uh, to different places. They provide uh, job interview, uh, like um, information and, and just mentorship they provide materials if needed, and, and then so, uh, so much just one-on-one -on -one relationship. 
And so 90% of what we raise for our Be Rich campaign is going to go to JJM and Juvenile Justice Ministry to help them in what they are doing here in Fort Wayne. And then 10% of what we raise is going to go to the Tapmans, what they are doing internationally with these churches. And so what we are calling for here at Crossbridge is not a specific number that we want you to give. We are calling for 100% participation. 100% participation. You may find yourself in a season of financial constraint, financial difficulty, and we're going to talk about that a little bit today. And still yet are able to find $5. So you know what, God, this is what I am faithfully giving You might find yourself in abundance and you're like, man, God, it kind of hurts a little bit to write that $5,000, $10,000 check. And yet, maybe that is what God is calling you to be faithful with and blessing these ministries. 100% of what you donate is going to be given away. You can go onto our website, c3fw.org, under the donate tab and donate that way through our Be Rich campaign dropdown. Or it's on our app, C3FW, in the app store, right on the homepage. You just click the fourth topic line item and it'll take you right to our campaign. And then next Sunday, October 22nd, we are doing a worship service in the morning to celebrate what we have raised and just to offer it as our first fruits back to God. And so we are calling all Crossbridgers to prayerfully consider what God is calling you to give. It is one way that we are being generous. And so today, to end the service, or to end the series, the teaching series of Be Rich, I kind of geeked out this week and fell in love with studying the churches in Macedonia. And Paul's message to the Macedonian churches, uh, churches that we see in the New Testament that make up uh, the church in Philippi, where Paul writes his letter to the Philippians, or the, the church uh, uh, of the Thessalonians, and, and uh, as he's writing to them, or the church in Berea. And so he's writing to these different churches in Macedonia, which is considered the northern part of Greece. And I believe it's his second missionary journey in Acts chapter 16 that Paul receives this call from these churches and receives a vision from God that says, come and help us preach the gospel. Come visit us. And so Paul, in his second journey over to Greece, uh, or over, to, uh, over uh, to plant churches, he visits the churches in Macedonia that are doing a cr- incredible work, and he recognizes this word of philipsis, this Greek word that he uses all the time throughout scriptures. He uses it in Colossians. He loses it, uses it in Romans. And it's this word. I just want to just share a couple of things that this Greek word means. It can mean pressure, oppression, tribulation, affliction, distress, crushed, to be squashed. Very encouraging words. And he loves this word, and he uses it for different churches, and specifically the churches in Macedonia, because they are under extreme suffering. They are being crushed. They are experiencing poverty. They are being squashed, pressured, going through tribulation. And so he goes and he encourages them and he lifts them up. And he's so amazed by this church's ability to do this. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, where Paul is talking to the Corinthian church. 
and he's highlighting the Macedonian churches saying, friends, I want you to be like this. Here's what Paul writes, chapter 8, verses 1 through 15. And now, brothers and sisters, again, he's talking to the Corinthians, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, that's the, the phrase thlipsis, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they were able to give as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. Stop right there for a sec. I love that verse 5 or verse 4 where it says they were so desperate to be generous and to share in the kingdom work. Why? Well, if you remember a couple of weeks ago, we concluded our series on the Holy Spirit. And we talked about how when we have the Holy Spirit, who is God, living inside of us, it is impossible to not outwardly express the character of God. And we talked about the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, and how this fruit is growing within us, and it is shown through our actions, and it becomes irresistible to live this way. And so we see a hint of that right here as Paul is talking about the Macedonian churches to the churches in Corinth, which were these churches who if you remember 1 Corinthians, were known for their sexual morality, their idolatry, worshiping pagan gods. They weren't really good with money. In fact, they were too good with money in the wrong ways that Paul called them out on it. He reminds them that their body is a temple. And now in the second letter, he's saying, friends, I want you to be like this. And what is this like? Verse four, they urgently, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service to the Lord's people. That's so stinking fascinating to me. That their extreme poverty resulted in extreme generosity. But it was a heart transformation. It was a heart. It was the heart of Christ that was just pouring outwardly of just saying, you know what? We want to be invested in this way. We want to be like the early church in Acts chapter 2. In fact, we are the early church in Acts chapter 2, where we're selling everything and giving everything away. Let's move on to verse 5. This is what Paul continues to write. He says, and they exceeded our expectations. Friends, I would love for Crossbridge to be a church that exceeds God's expectations. I'd love for us to be a church that exceeds Paul's expectations. I'd love for us to be Christ followers that exceeds Christ followers' expectations. That we would live in such a way that we would recognize that this is bigger than ourselves. That we would trust and remain faithful to the gospel in such a way that we would recognize that God is calling us to be faithful in different ways. I love that phrasing. They exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord. 
And again, when you give yourself first to the Lord and the Holy Spirit is living inside of you, it is impossible to do the second part. And then by the will of God, they also gave to us. It's impossible to resist that second part when you are so focused on that first part. When you have Christ in you and within you and among you and you are so intentional about your relationship with God, it is impossible to resist the nature of God. It is impossible to be anything but faithful, anything but a servant, anything but generous, anything but sacrificial when you have Christ. Verse six. So we urged Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. He's talking back to the Corinthian church. He's reminding them. He's saying, yep, the Macedonian churches, the churches in Philippi, okay? And and in fact, in Philippi, uh, in the letters to the Philippians, Paul he, he is so gracious towards them. He says, hey, hey, churches in Philippi, nobody else would give to me during this time of my own suffering except you. And you showed me what it looked like to live in Christ. And he praises these churches all throughout his different letters. In Romans chapter 15, he once again praises the Macedonian churches. And so now he's calling the Corinthian churches and he says the exact same thing. He says, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. Verse eight, But I'm not commanding you. I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. Once again, he's reminding us, I shouldn't have to command you. I want you to genuinely and prayerfully consider what it means to be a part of the body of Christ. He goes on in verse 9. He says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. And Here's my judgment about what is best for you in this matter. Last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Here's what's so fascinating about this, is if, again, if you've read 1 Corinthians, Paul just spends the whole letter trashing the Corinthian church. He is just brutally honest about the way they are living wrong. And they listened to his criticism, and then that verse is birthed. Last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. What does he say in verse 11? Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable to what one has not according to what one does not have. We've been saying this entire time, 100% participation, not 100% of what you have. Okay? It's not about the amount you give. It's about 100% participation, 100% faithfulness, calling you to say, you know what, God, what are you calling me to give? How are you calling me to not just participate in Crossbridge's ministry, but JJM 
and the Tapmans and what other Christ followers are doing to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Verse 13, our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but that there might be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. The goal is equality. As it is written, the one who gathered much did not have much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. Here's the point of that whole passage, friends, is that faithful followers are extremely generous. And as I said earlier, in their extreme poverty, in their thlipsis, in their suffering, in their they're, they're crushing the Macedonians, but then also the Corinthians ended up getting it right uh, a year before this. They were extremely generous. They were sharing with the rest of the church. They were giving of what they had, but also what they necessarily didn't have. And they're saying, you know what, God, we are trusting you with this. Right now we have 24 families at Crossbridge who have given to the Be Rich campaign. And that's incredible. Last year, we had over 130 by the end, 120 by the end. And most of the families gave in that last week. And so we're not concerned by only having 24. Okay, we know that a lot of you are gonna give this week. But it's this challenge of reminding ourselves, you know what, this is bigger than myself. And so whether I can give $5 and give up a, coffee, a cup of coffee or $5,000 and give up the dream vacation this summer that perhaps we were saving up money for. Whatever God is calling you to sacrificially give, it's impossible for us to get around the fact that faithful followers are extremely generous. Now, if you are someone who's grown up in the church, you've heard that before. You've heard the church calling you to give. And you know that all throughout scripture is to give. And yet, it still is hard to hear and hard to do. For a lot of reasons, actually the number one reason why people don't give is because of money constraint. Is because life is just tough right now. Money is tight. And the number one reason post-COVID launching has been money constraint for why people aren't giving to charities. I get it. I'm there myself. This last summer, we have, Marissa and I have called the summer from hell. <laughs> she started a new job, first week of June. Two weeks later, some dummy decided to break his hand <laughs> going for a Frisbee. <laughs> then that same dummy decided he needed surgery on that hand. <laughs> then our car was stolen and crashed and totaled, which many of you didn't know. <laughs> And we're finally starting to receive reimbursements, but we had to put all of our money for the financial bills on credit cards until our reimbursements from our insurance company started to come through. And so we started piling on credit card debt. And so the last thing on my mind is I want to give above and beyond. I get it. I'm there as well. And yet this is what Peter writes to the Christians in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 8 through 10. He reminds us of this. He says, above all, I want to stop there after those two words. 
Once again, if you've read 1 Peter, you know that this is a letter to the Christians who have experienced persecution and suffering. Okay, this whole letter is filled with all of those verses of stay strong, stay courageous, stay bold, even though you're being arrested and killed right now. He says, but above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. And then I don't want you to miss this last part. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. And then he ends it by saying this. Each of you should do and use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Here's what I want you to hear very clearly about today and about any giving message. We want you to be good stewards with what you have. Money constraint is a real issue. And for a lot of people, it's an issue because the way we spend money, save money, and give money is impulsive. Let's just be honest. But then there's also a lot of people who are experiencing generational poverty. Or there's people who all have been blessed because of generational wealth. There's people who were born on the north side of town who perhaps had an upside. There's per- people who were born on the south side of town who perhaps had to deal with different levels of poverty. And so we're calling our church, just like Peter did, to be good stewards with what you have. Most people need a class on budgeting. Most people are just not good with money. And then there's people who are really good with money and still are living paycheck to paycheck. And what we're noticing with these next generations is that we are more excited about what we're passionate about, even if it pays less, than what pays more and just doing the nine to five. And so that's also a situation that we find ourselves in. But I want you to hear this this last piece, okay? Is that we want you to be good stewards with what you give. We don't want you to just impulsively go home and clear out your bank account. We want you to go home and prayerfully consider what God is calling you to give. Some of you might be able to clear out your bank account and God still tells you no because he needs you to use that money later down the road. And so some people are impulsive, generous people. Like, be rich. I'm so excited about what we're doing. I'm going to go home and I'm going to give my entire retirement check this week to be rich. And I love that heart. But generosity without prayer is still being a bad steward. Some of you are like, man, I only have $20 left in my checking. There was a time for uh, junior year of college, Marissa and I's first year of marriage, and we had $56 left in our checking account. And our paychecks came in, and we were struck with the temptation. Do we still tithe, give 10% of what we were called to give based on our income back to God? Or do we put that money into our checking account? We say, you know what? We're going to be faithful stewards and trust that God is going to be able to use this gift and take care of us. And so we gave back to what God has given us and we have not skipped a beat. 
There's been weeks where we've had to shop at Aldi. There's been weeks where we've been able to shop at Walmart. I know, that's where, <laughs> that's where we're at right now. Right now, because of dummy breaking his hand, we're in an Aldi season. I went into Brad's office last week. I had a $1.50 frozen lunch. <laughs> One of those great value frozen lunches with like five pieces of chicken and 20 noodles. Like, this is not 20 grams of protein. <laughs> and I said, Brad, this season we're at right now. We got student loans. I just paid my first student loan payment back last week. I'm starting my master's this week. We have our first car payment we've ever had because, again, if you remember, our car was stolen and crashed. <laughs> and yet we're saying, God, we are trying to be faithful stewards with what you've given us. We're trying to be faithful stewards. So, God, what are you calling Marissa and I to give? What do we need to sacrifice? If it's $1.50 frozen meals for lunches, $1.50 frozen meals for lunches. Chipotle can wait. If it is driving one car so that we save money on gas, it's driving one car so we save money on gas. And you know what? This year, we may not be able to give as much as we gave last year to be rich. And that's okay. But we're still going to faithfully give. So there were three things I wanted to reassure you of. One, where the money is going. 100% of what you give is given 100% of it away to JJM. Youth for Christ, who is, as we've learned in the first two videos, and we'll post a, a video, recap video this week on social media, is 100% donor-based. And we have multiple staff members who have been invested in Youth for Christ ministry before. Barb, before she came on staff and has since retired, uh, used to work for Youth for Christ. And Brad and Barb loved juvenile justice ministry so much that whenever they gave back to Youth for Christ, they would do in the line item back to JJM. Trevor, our, our former youth pastor and now volunteers here with our video ministry, he is someone who in the first early years of his ministry was volunteering with Juvenile Justice Ministry and with Joe Wright. City Life, which is the teen center right across uh, the street from Southside High School, is also right across the street from Marissa and I. And we know multiple of the employees there. And I love the heart of being able to be directly next to the work they are doing in our city. So this is personal for us, and we are so excited for your finances and our finances to help them in uh, post-jail uh, counseling, and bus passes, and meal passes, uh, in relationship building, and to be able to help pay one of their employees' salary through what you give. And then, again, what the Tapmans are doing in Europe is unmatched. They oversee multiple churches, thousands of Christ followers, and are experiencing firsthand and directly uh, through other churches, what is going on in Israel. That is where your money is going. Second thing I wanted to assure you of is the, this concept that faithful followers are generous. You can't get around it. And so what is God calling you to be generous with? Which leads to point number three, be a good steward. Don't just be impulsive whether it's in your spending, saving, or in your generosity, spend time prayerfully considering what God is calling you to do and watch God use our riches for his glory. Will you pray with me? Hey, God, thank you so much for this message. Thank you for our church. Thank you, God, for the 24 families who have already given, a few of which are actually teenagers, God, which is so cool. And so, God, I am 
pleading with you for our church, God, that you would, through the Holy Spirit, stir inside each and every one of us what you are calling us to give. Maybe it's a dollar. Maybe it's $20. Maybe it's this week's paycheck. And God, we may not have all the ducks in a row or the T's and the I's dotted and crossed, God, but we know that you are able to use our gift for your glory. And so we pray, Lord, that you would stir through the Holy Spirit what you are calling us to give and that we would honor our gifts with you, not with pride, but with faithful surrender. In your name we pray.